Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash bcpod for your free audiobook download. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, you extremely large and tiny buttholes? You know who this is. This is Toby, and I'm taking over the intro to this podcast. I'm sitting on our bus in Atlanta, and Matt's over here passed out, and I was like, screw it. I'm going to take this thing over right now. So I got a couple things to say to y'all. Right now, we got the classic crime pre-order. You can get it today at badchristian.com, and you know what you're going to get? A signed CD and T-shirt. Did you hear what I said, you buttholes? A signed CD and T-shirt. Do not miss out on that. And also, guess what else you can do? Right now, Emory is still on tour for the rest of this week. We're going to be going through Florida. We're going to end in Charleston, South Carolina. You guys have got to come out to these shows. We want to see you. Come out. Bring your friends. And you know what else you can bring? Your big old booty buttholes. Because this is Toby, and we want you guys to come out. Oh, and guess what else? <laughs> come out to the shows. We want to see you guys. And now coming up is Dan from the band Jars of Clay. I remember seeing them when I was just a little, little nothing, a little young kid just screaming my, my heart out, singing those songs like Flood. He's coming up. He says some controversial and interesting things you do not want to miss out. But as for now, guess what you're about to hear? Three of the best most entertaining men you've ever known in your life, Matt, Joey, and of course me. So here we go, guys. Let's do it. Give me that mic. Guys, this is Matt, and I totally approve Toby's intro. Badass. Let's do it. Three, two, one, hit it. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, everybody. You have Matt, Toby, and Joey. And do we, is Dickie the Duck with us right now? Yeah, he is. Well, hey, where are you well, going? On, wait, wait, hold on, Dickie. Where are you going? Oh, okay. Where you got to go? Uh, I just feel like maybe I was intruding. No, intruding? you're not intruding. You're not intruding. Yeah. Dickie, what have you been up to? Oh, I, I just, uh... I joined a small group, and that's going very well. Oh, you've been going to small group? That's good. Yeah. Uh, you've been yeah. fitting in pretty good? You've been meeting a lot of friends, kind of, you know, living life, doing life together? No, I have not. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but that's what small groups are for, bud. Yeah, but it's like a mini sermon. It's like a, it's a mini It's church. like a mini sermon? Yeah. I'm and that gonna... pisses you off? Oh yeah. So you're just you're actually wanting more community than just you don't want a little tiny Sunday service. You want real community. What what do you what do you think small groups should be like? We need to keep it real, baby. You need to keep it real. Yeah, but yeah. Well, what would you do different? Because sometimes it's hard if you have people over to your house and well, and and, and, and there's and there's a little angst coming out too. He actually shared uh, that he was looking at (laughs) Dickie. I'm sorry, it just sounds funny. He he actually struggled and he was looking at some ducky porn and he uh-huh. admitted that to the people in the small group and everyone was just super quiet and then they're like, oh, 
okay any other prayer requests that was his prayer request and and no one wanted to deal with it no one called him afterwards or anything it was just kind of like a taboo we're not going to go there and it, we yeah, got to get dicky a free version of x3 watch we just got to get that on there because i mean that you know that'll stop that right now that animal yeah. porn is bad is one yeah. of the worst ones in the world well, i was just upset Nobody wanted to talk about that shit. Yeah, I understand, buddy. I understand. understand. Well, hey, Dickie, we got to get get on with the podcast, but we love it whenever you stop by, man. Okay, see you later. Okay, bye. See you, Dickie. So, uh, sorry about that. I wasn't expecting that. He literally, uh, as we were starting, he he came in here. No, it's fine. I I mean, as long as he can keep his, you know, mouth under control. (laughs) His beak shut. Yeah. I li- I like hearing from Dicky from time to time, but he can get a little. You know, uh, I I didn't know. I don't know if y'all ever knew this, but back in college, Dicky, um, he actually struggled with tra- like kind of trans stuff. Like he he hooked up with platypuses. Uh, that's not, oh my gosh! That's not true. Yes, that's it is. True. I that's saw not it. True. I, I saw you know it. How rumors get started. You he got, saw it. He what got were with you? a platypus. And Where were you? Just uh, what holding hands or something, and you just jumped the gun or they, something? I, no, I was at the movies. I was seeing. I was watching the movie Howard the Duck. And all of a sudden, in I turn around. in college in 1987? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, uh, Matt, I'm, I'm telling you something uh, that yes. I, I haven't told Toby uh-huh. yet, but I really think that he saved my life uh, last Sunday. Uh, he called me, and he said, hey, do you have that acoustic bass at your house? We need it. We don't have a bass guitar. And so I'm actually on the way, and uh, so I pull off the side of the road. I was just like, yeah, I can go it. Go get it. You definitely need well, it. You went through a drive through but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so um, I was actually uh, on the way uh, to the to, – It's all the details doesn't really matter. So anyway, he put me off probably about three minutes and I was pulling out of another uh, uh, Seacoast campus that I had to stop by and pick stuff up. And I was I was approaching the traffic light, and a car just out of nowhere just flew through the stop sign. I mean, the, the traffic light. And in my mind, and I don't know if y'all think this way sometimes, but I do think there are times when we would probably have gotten killed if God didn't do something. And I promise you, Toby probably delayed me coming out into the highway about the perfect amount of time for me to miss that do you guys i mean i'm not a big science person and i don't over obsess with this sort of thing but i definitely thought i could i would have gotten killed because this guy was flying 55 miles per hour through a red light do y'all think that way or no i do i i think that I believe everything probably happens for a reason, and uh, what is good and bad to us is just our own moral stance as opposed to what is good or bad is what God says. So, yeah, I think God easily could have done that. Now, I I believe he planned it that way and also knew that that guy was going to be doing that and maybe even save that guy more than you or something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, however that works out, like you're not the only one that was saved there in that instance. Like, if that guy hit you, he might have died. So yeah, I, Matt, yeah, but do you I call BS that. on that um, from a science I, perspective? And everything? Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't, I don't, I don't think along the same lines as you. Because for one thing, if you just took the converse of what you're saying, that means that somebody that did die, you would just literally blame like some some trivial thing that had happened to them. Like, oh, the Burger King employee is at. Fa-. You said Toby saved your life, so the Burger King employee that was a little bit slow getting your fries caused you know you to die if you did get hit. I guess what so I'm you saying. So couldn't, you can't attribute Toby saving your life to the Burger King employee not killing you. 
Essentially. Yeah, but th- this goes back to Jesus can stop any death from happening. Right, ever. but if so. in that case, then, I mean, I don't see, there's I, there's no reason to believe that, that it's not either mere coincidence or that that wasn't just the way it always was going to work out as opposed to there was intervention in that day or moment or the th- thought that Toby had was unique in his brain to have you go do that base. And, I mean, it, it just was the way it was. There's no reason to connect those two. I mean, there's a million... Uh, people that run red lights all the time, and I mean, it's just the way it is. That's so, funny talking yeah. about Jesus, it's though, a, like that Jesus can can stop anybody from dying anyone to. I wonder, like, because you know, Jesus rose Lazarus back, Lazarus back from the dead. Was there any animosity on Lazarus? He's like, I got to do that again. Damn <laughs> it, die again? Yeah, it's yeah. like, I mean, I know, thanks for bringing me back. I mean, I, good to see y'all. I got to do that again, some, and I don't know when. The worst thing that's ever going to happen happens twice. <laughs> so, that's Toby, Matt, Matt told me that you've you've had some major uh, revelations that I haven't heard about. I'm pretty anxious to hear about it. What's what's been going on in your mind? Who me? Yeah. Oh, that's I what Matt said, said. Oh, I only heard you say Matt having revelation. I see. No, Matt told me that you've had some crazy eye-opening, mind-altering, I mean, it sounds like drugs. <laughs> That's what, Toby and I were in the van uh, uh, driving to our first show the other day, and we spent probably 45 minutes talking about a bunch of philosophy, science, and a bunch of weird things, simulation theory, and the nature of reality, and consciousness, yeah. and collective consciousness, and independent consciousness, yeah. and things like that, and Dave sat across from us with a confused look on his face the whole time. <laughs> And then, and it's like, Dave, what are you thinking? And he's just like, I, I mean, I said, are you tracking with what we're saying? I mean, are you keeping up or, or do you think this is, I mean, what? And he just says, well, I mean, y'all just sound like you're high. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I would like to preface all this with some wild stuff has been happening in our lives and my family's life. Um, so I'm getting the, the low, slow down. The low, pastor. serious the, voice. Seriously, guys. Um, it's funny I'm, that you don't have your morning froggy voice, by the way. I was expecting yeah, no. that one. I, well, yesterday I had no voice, so I think it's just kind of the third day of tour. It kind of starts getting stronger. Um, so I don't think we've mentioned this at all, but uh, a while back, Jess, my wife, found a lump yeah, in we, her we breast. Yeah, we talked about that. We talked about that, right? Yeah. And then, um, so uh, she went back, had the lump removed, went back, and uh, they said it was not cancer. Had the lump removed, went back to just to check everything. And that was a big and, deal in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked re- about that on the right, show. Right, it really was. Um, just going through that and the fear that she might have cancer and stuff like that. Well, come to find out, they tested the lump that they removed, and it is cancer. And Jess does have breast cancer. And uh, so thank the Lord, praise the Lord, is only um, stage zero. And uh, it's non-invasive <coughs> carcinoma. And so she isn't going to die or have to do chemotherapy um, I know a lot of people get a, a lot worse uh, diagnosis and um, uh, has woken me up, honestly, just to the idea of how many women are going to go through breast cancer. I, I, th- I think the doctor told us it's one in seven people, seven women. So uh, but this is it, particularly early. For, I mean, yeah, yeah, Jess yeah. And is Jess 30, is only 35 years old, 35. So uh, now here's the thing. When the doctor said you have stage zero cancer. Unbeknownst to me, and uh, I think I get this from my dad, and I can even explain that a little bit, but I went into immediate husband-dad defense mode. I I literally, even while we were sitting there in the doctor's office, I said, 
Oh, stage zero. Zero means nothing. Jess, don't worry. You don't have cancer. This isn't a big deal. You know, don't even worry about it. No sweat. You're not dying. Doc, she's not going to die. This, you know, you know made him say it clearly and all this stuff. So, you know, her mind can run. My mind can run. You know, we just, you know, she just, this is basically nothing. She doesn't have cancer. It's just, you know, something we got to deal with. This isn't, you know, no chemo, all this stuff. And I just went into defense mode. And then uh, when we left, I didn't realize that I had really diminished unbeware unbeknownst to me i thought i was defend i didn't even realize it but i thought i was doing the right thing by just minimalizing it and what i didn't realize is that i'd actually hurt my wife on a, on a certain level by minimalizing what she was going to go through i thought i was being the strong man and just was like hey listen i, I have cancer I'm, I'm not going through all this and not calling it what it is you you have to realize that and i it just like blindsided me i immediately was just very apologetic and just said, I'm sorry. And, and um, that, that's the amazing thing about my wife. She immediately forgives me when I make mistakes. She's such a, a good lady. But it just it caught me off guard because that's what my dad always did. My dad would actually get mad sometimes if we got hurt. And I'm like, you know, my knee's bleeding or something. And he's like, why'd you fall down? You shouldn't do it. And I, I, I didn't realize at the time that uh, he went into defense mode because it, 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 for us to be hurt actually hurt him, and he couldn't go there emotionally. Yeah. It couldn't go there spiritually, emotionally. All that stuff would just it, – it would be devastating, and he would probably cry and fall apart to access that part of his, his mentality and emotions. So uh, it's been really crazy, and um, it's, it's funny um, when I'm hearing all this. So our, our life right now is just so busy. We are, like we said, we're moving, buying a brand-new house. I have to get the new record, Emory record, done. I'm going on tour. We're doing Bad Christian podcasts, uh, blogs, every possible thing. I work at a church full time. I mean, every possible thing that could be happening is happening. And it almost felt like a, a, a touch of like a break in reality. Like so much so, like it was it was really crazy. And I even experienced it again a few hey, times were, on this hey, tour. You were kidding with me. You said that in the office. You yeah. weren't kidding around. No, no, I was not joking, man. It just it's so much stuff and so, there's so much pressure. And I'm feeling like I have to be so strong and get everything done and be super on top of everything and not let anything drop the ball that it just I felt I feel so much and it's been really strange because like on a certain level and I do believe this is the enemy I do believe this is is Satan and just my own sinfulness like trying to guilt me and and <clears throat> condemn me and give me shame but like it, it's crazy like two things happened I just thought man is there some way that like I you know could I have potentially in my mind caused this to happen to Jess? Is this a reality that I'm I'm creating? Um, Toby struggles with that notion that everything seems so bizarre and and intense and it, it's it just feels weird. Like you said, it's like a break in reality to where he, he has this feeling like nothing is real at all except for what he's projecting or creating so when he meets people and it seems like somebody else he's met he's thinking is this is this all of this reality just in my head right which isn't a new which isn't a new thought but anyway so like for example though on this tour for our acoustic set our vip sets we're we're doing this song dear death part one and two i wrote that song many years ago and that song's a based on a dream I had about Jess having cancer. And now I'm singing that song about cancer, dancing through her body and doesn't care about her at all and the potential of death and all this stuff. And it's true now. It's been really emotional. I've been feeling just really weird and disconnected and just all this stuff. And uh, I come home and Jess, my wife, who honestly is just <clears throat> so courageous and I don't want her to even listen to this because she might tear up. But, I mean, I love my wife so much. She really is my best friend. And the courage and like humor she's had through all this and uh, just the peace that she still brought to our family has just been honestly unbelievable, especially with me losing, feeling like I'm shaking here. 
And I come home and my wife says something like kind of positive. She was like, well, you know, the options that we have are, are pretty bad. One, are, and I don't think she'll mind me telling, but the op- we have two options to go from here. One, they can take out the rest of the cancer and then Jess would have to do six weeks of radiation every day and then take a pill for the next 10 years um, that would basically put her into menopause and, you know, mood swings, hot flashes, all this stuff. And there's a chance it could come back. And then the other option is a double mastectomy, meaning they would remove both of her breasts. Um, and then we would have to get some reconstructive surgery, but that, you know, all the tissue would be gone. It's not like a, a boob job. It's, it's a lot different. Did they give you the, the percentage rate of it coming back? You said that if she there, takes there, that there, I think it, there's, there's not really the, it, if you get the double mastectomy, you don't even have to get mammograms or anything anymore. That, yeah. they, they wouldn't say you can't ever get cancer again, but it's just way better. And the doctor recommends that. And I believe that's the way we're going to go. But I mean, I'm okay if, if, you know, just doesn't, I, I mean, honestly, the Lord's given me a piece. Like my wife is so beautiful to me that it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like if, if she, I don't think, even think she believes this, but like if she lost an arm, like we watched the bachelor and the bachelor in paradise and stuff. And one of the ladies doesn't have an arm. I was like, if you didn't have an arm, that wouldn't bother me at all. And she's like, yes, it would. Yes, it would. But seriously, whatever, whatever my wife looks like, I love my wife, no matter what that Jessica is what I love. I love her body, but also love her mind and her spirit and her heart and everything about her. And so, and I know she does the same to me too, because I'm a large man and she can't not be totally down with <laughs> my looks all the time. But, um, so I get home and she just says, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's just, uh, God just, uh, is blessing us. I'm going to have, you know, a little bit bigger boobs or something like that. And everything's going to be okay. And it just, her saying that and being positive about it and me thinking, man, my wife is going to look great and I don't have to do anything. And she looks great now and is going to look great later. And she's going to go through all of this. And she has this such of a positive attitude about it. I just lost it. And I hadn't cried at all about this. And I've been so trying to be so strong that I would not allow myself to access it. And I just standing in our kitchen, I just lost it. And I was so embarrassed because I was like, I cannot, I really felt like if I cry, I'm letting this thing win and I'm showing weakness and Jess is going to think this is worse and I'm not strong for her and I couldn't help it. And like the Lord almost overwhelmed me. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit just overwhelmed me and Jess and I just started hugging and crying and just sobbing, three kids in the room and they're like, what in the world's wrong with you old folks? <laughs> and uh, and what is crazy about that, and I didn't expect this at all, was it's exactly what Jess needed. And I almost feel emotional now saying that. She needed to see that this breaks my heart, that my yeah. wife going through this. And I didn't. I thought that was being weak and even now, after being married all these years, uh, I'm learning stuff about our marriage right now that for me to be weak is actually strong. That, that stuff that Jesus says is when you're in your weakness, I will be your strength. We are able to turn it over to him. No longer was I carrying be the, be the stone, be the hard guy that can kick cancer's ass. You can do it, Toby. Be that, that rock for Jess. Jesus is our rock. And so now we actually both had a moment of where like, oh, wait. Peace, you know, when people say, "Oh, just have your peace in Jesus," just, that does not mean don't be scared. Do not be concerned. You know, it, like we are totally, it, we can be scared of the unknown, but we have our peace in Jesus that He knows, and so that that really has been awesome. And then, but just going back to that, just all that stuff is just so crazy because I'm just like in shock of this stuff happening and, and and writing a song or having a dream, and then all of a sudden it becoming what our reality is does does spook me. Y'all, you guys don't ever struggle at all with like the idea of reality and you interacting in it and what it means i mean reality is a <clears throat> extremely large uh concept and term so there's many not if it's just you many aspects of it but the, the interesting way you look at it is just that you feel 
with all of reality, you feel like it's all just you. Like you're creating the whole thing. And well, I'm that, the only I mean, one that, that be an isolating be, point yeah. of view. Well, in a, in a sense, I'm the only one that can perceive this reality. Uh-huh. Right? No matter what, the reality, you cannot even perceive the reality that I, I perceive. Yeah. Like, for example, even with emotion, I might lose my mind at a person at a – at a show or whatever, like you don't, you know, you're witnessing it. You get to see that, but you're not perceiving reality the way I do. So my reality is in its essence, at least my own. Yeah. So uh, somebody said this the other day, but essentially perception is all that we do have. You have five senses and they're just perceptions. Yeah. You don't have anything beyond that. You don't have any data right. or anything about the world beyond that. So <laughs> some people would say, and I think this is what they call simulation theory, that if all you have are perceptions, because that's the only way you can experience things, right. through light, sound, touch, smell, through the senses that you do have, which happen to be more than an earthworm would have, or a fish. You have more than they do, but right. it's still limited, but you only have those perceptions. So it doesn't necessarily, the, the fact that reality is real and uh, physical matter exists, exists is not really necessary. Like, that's not a necessary thing. So if it was a, if it was all a simulation, it would be just the same. Yeah. And so if that's possible or if that's true, yeah. then, it doesn't, then it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody else themselves are even part of the simulation. So th- those, that's not really that crazy of a thought. And in fact, if the simplest answer is the true one, it would be simpler for all of reality and the universe and billions of miles and stars and all those things to, to not exist would actually yeah. be simpler. <clears throat> right. If, if all God even, even, even from a Christian point of view, if all God wanted to do was have you perceive what you do through your five senses, well, he wouldn't necessarily need to create um, – the Andromeda galaxy. You just need you to have the perception of it. So it's not yeah. necessary for it to actually really exist. And, and some so people what if, would say that makes more sense. Yeah. What if Toby, logical. what if Toby died, went to heaven and realized that God only created 50 human beings to enjoy heaven. So it's going to be Toby and 49 other unlucky people. Well, Toby's just saying one, Toby kind of thinks it's one and it's just him. Yeah. What, what I'm saying I is what I'm that it's I'm not improvable. Posh- I, thought about it. I don't believe it. I just it's an idea that has floated around in my head. But, so so if you're confused by what we're saying, we're basically saying that in Toby's view of reality, everything right. including Matt, Toby, exactly. the Bible, his relationship all of with God, you, everything all is personalized. You know, so when Toby reads Genesis and he's like, is this literal, non-literal, is all that stuff? It doesn't matter. Toby uh, it was written for Toby to read and, and all to of have you those listeners questions. out there are actually part of Toby's matrix program routine. Yeah, y'all seen the Truman Show? Yeah. Shoot, something like that. Yeah, this isn't a... Uh, <laughs> now, let me clarify this, too, because uh, uh, it was interesting. At the first show, I kind of just... We had some technical difficulty, and I talked about, uh, just a slightly about this, and a guy who's a fan and a uh, smart fella and is really nice, he wrote us and just said, hey, man, are you actually struggling with this? You're just kind of talking. He said he actually had a friend who <laughs> was a, he considered a brother in Christ, helped, helped him through some super tough times. They are really good... Uh, really good Christian friend, and the guy moved to Japan and then just got into Eastern philosophy and now believes that he doesn't exist and they don't talk anymore. And he was yeah. like, man, you're not there. And I was like, wow. I mean, he had a, he has a friend now that does not believe he exists. The, the, <laughs> the funny part about that was he was saying that the guy doesn't believe <clears throat> the guy that went to Japan no longer believes the guy that wrote us exists, yeah. and therefore he stopped talking to him. Yeah, <laughs> and what's even be- what's even better was a waste of time. Yeah, because it's a waste of time. This imaginary friend didn't think I was real. And then what's even funnier was the, I mean, because clearly this guy is real and he knows he exists. Yeah. But he said he struggles with sometimes like low self value and self esteem. So it really hurt his feelings yeah. that somebody <laughs> thought he didn't exist. That, that would be it would hurt your feelings if like you're like. That, <laughs> 
You don't even think I exist. I already feel kind of bad about myself, but now you tell me I don't exist. That's really cool. <laughs> what, what's funny is Toby's talked about this before, and I've been like, Toby, you know me. I'm real. Like, I wouldn't be telling – and Toby's reaction is like, what the hell are you talking about? Of course you would say that. Yeah, I mean, in a reality that I create, you would have to be real. Now, here's where we – we got to some other thoughts, too, and what is interesting – the one, most interesting thought that came out of our conversation to me was th- this idea – I fully believe I need a savior. That's the number one thing that keeps me rooted. Like, it, it, I would believe, I, I could potentially see, now I'm not saying that, I do believe actually everybody's real. I believe my wife and kids and all this are real. It's just my life is so good and everything about it is so tuned to me, even the bad stuff. I even, you know what I mean? Like, the bad stuff is, is something I would choose. But the idea of, like, Jesus and God, if, Joey, I want to ask you this question. Yeah. If if you were God, if you're omnipotent, uh, omnipotent and omniscient, <laughs> omnipotent, omnipotent. <laughs> if Joey was God, he would be omnipotent. <laughs> um, impotent, um, uh, omnipotent and omniscient, all knowing God. What would you want? What would be something that that you know? Because you can have anything, right? You can have anything, you can do anything. What would be something like an actual gift that would be good? The only, yeah, the, essentially the only thing you could do if you had everything and oh. you knew everything would be to choose to limit yourself in some way. To yeah, experience. to not be fully God. Like if you, if, you could, yeah. if you could let yourself not be God, then, man, that would be the greatest thing ever. It's, even even with really the bad. It's your only choice to like yeah. do something because yeah. you have everything and you know everything. So right. your only choice to... Uh, I mean, even if you just want to look at it from an entertainment point of view, and I, I certainly don't know God's yeah. point of view, but teach, we, what we do see is that God did choose to create a reality. He did choose to limit himself in some ways to lay down power. Even as he became Jesus, came down, he decided to even lay down power and chose to suffer ultimately for his own glory, substitute entertainment. Right. So, like, I mean, that idea makes a lot of sense to me that Jesus would – give up godship to a, a limited god godship he still had power and authority but i mean how ama- how amazing would that be if you're a god and know all can do all and you limit yourself to be able to have something that you couldn't have to interact like to, to be able to cut your finger and bleed and go why did that happen yeah i should have been i made an accident like yeah. superman when he had to become have to well i definitely know yeah, people gave him a full gave clark a fuller experience right, yeah, to know what a, it was like yeah. to be like a man jesus became man so he would know us more in our struggle and everything yeah. to enable yeah. relationship with us he had yeah he did he chose to do that so yeah. if you were creating your own reality to, this throws back to what he's saying therefore we're created like god god's a creator we're creators so toby feels like maybe i created my own reality and in which case like god you would have chosen limits and suffering and stuff you would if you created your own reality right. it wouldn't just be i wouldn't just have yeah, that's stuff. what i'm saying i wouldn't have just like you know uh, i would my re- that's what gets me is that my reality is exactly what i want i wouldn't i would never marry a supermodel or drive a lamborghini or have billions of dollars that 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 actually doesn't really excite me what excites like my wife that's the exact woman I want. Like out of everybody, that she is my kids, the exact kids I want. Everything is exact. Like it was really funny. The one thing that really got me to the night, we actually went to a casino, and I was like, okay, I'm only gonna gamble twenty dollars here, and if I lose it, okay. If I don't, and so uh, this is after the show in Joliet, 
so we went there, and Devin was with us. And, uh, you know, I kind of just was up, down a little bit. And finally, uh, I was down to $18. I was like, oh, we've been here for a little while. All I lost was 2 bucks. That's, that's a cup of coffee. This is great. I'm leaving here. No big deal. I didn't lose my 20 bucks. We, I'd been betting on uh, the same numbers the whole night. Um, so right before we left, Devin and I have been betting on black 29. Devin puts $5 down on black 29 and it hits. And I could have done that. And Matt was telling me, yeah, I told Toby, Toby, put your $18 on the black 29. Just do it. Because I didn't care about the $18. It didn't matter. And it hit. And Devin walked away with like $180 and I'm leaving with <laughs> my $2 gone. And I immediately thought, yes, that's what I chose. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but like I would have won, if I'd have put down $18, $18, I'd have won like $650. And that sounds cool. That sounds like that would be so awesome. But in my reality, if I had to really admit, I don't care. I'll probably prefer the story of, can you the believe agony. it? Yeah, you, the like agony you, yeah. feels so, man, why? I get to I live with it. Man, just think. I could have had 640 That's way better than going, yeah, $640. Well, yeah, tell me what, I'm going to go buy something? Or, you know what I mean? That, that, that story is so much more valuable than the money. Toby, doesn't this break down, though, if uh... – God forbid something happens to one of your kids. I mean, you keep saying you choose your reality. Yeah, would that not be insensitive to people whose lives are really going terrible? You yes. said you're, my yeah. life's going good. No, I, I totally agree. And that's what brings it back. Like the guy that, that has emailed us in the past, we, I think we talked about it before, but uh, just, you know, is going through children, uh, being sick or having cancer. I would never want to diminish that. And that, that there's no way I could. That, that stuff brings me back to, oh, yeah, this is reality. I'm – not in control, and that's what I'm saying. I don't, I'm not. In so control. you're barely I hanging in, Jesus. in there with reality. Think, no, Very good. I, I'm hanging in there, but it's fun to think about. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and life is I... way way more complex and deep than we give uh, even God. I mean, it, we just can't just boil it down to oh yeah, make sure you don't drink too much and that you're nice to your neighbor, and that's all of reality, and that's it. I mean, it's way deeper. It's, it runs way deeper than those things. Here's what I do think should be encouraging to all of us, though, is I, I don't believe that every I don't believe that Toby's the only real person on this earth. But I do believe the sort of attention that God would be giving Toby that we would all formulate in our heads. Wow. What if that was true? And Toby's the only real created human being. I do think is the sort of attention that everyone on the face of this earth gets in some way, shape or form. I think God is that in tune and that knowledgeable of the ins and outs of every single human which should be pretty encouraging. At least it is for me. Yeah, that's interesting. So can I take one second and give one illustration of, uh, you know, just one alternate way to look at reality or to deconstruct it just slightly? You have time for that, Joey? Yeah. Okay, so here's one just real quick deconstruction of what I mean by how reality is maybe not as clear as you, as you think it is. So if you think of that we have the five senses and that uh, – you know, other animals have less, and there could be more out there. So, if you had a, for instance, ability to to, sec, to to sense electromagnetic fields, then that would be a sixth sense, and you would un- understand more about reality that you don't now. But that doesn't mean it's not there. Also, our constructs of time, space, dimensions, and all those things are just a finite product of uh, of our senses. So let's just let's just take the one where you are sitting in your room and you see a desk that is ten feet away. And so to you, you you really fundamentally, truly believe with all of your being that it is 10 feet away and physical distance is a real principle of the universe that is real. And you know what it means that it's that far away. So let's just say even if you were just a regular human and you were born blind, you'd have a different sense of uh, what the physical dimensions mean. So for you, Joey, if you wanted to walk across the room to get to the table, you would get up, you would move your feet, and you would travel 
three meters to get to that table. That's how you right. would get there. And you would uh, say, for, so for sure, there's a distance there. I covered that distance, and now I'm sitting at the table. Now, the blind person that's born blind doesn't see that distance, so it's not really part of their conception. But they also <coughs> can get to the table, but they get to the table in the, in the way where they um, – move their legs they contract their muscles you know they just do something physical with their body no different than maybe using a video game controller feels to you and then in a period of time later nine seconds later they're sitting at the table but they never conceptualized necessarily uh, what you mean by distance they just simply I mean to them it's no different as if if I move my legs in this fashion the table comes to me or the table appears here if yeah. this happens. So they don't necessarily even, so even what you think about physical distance isn't, mm, that's just a way that you happen to view it. It's not even necessarily part of what reality really is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just a way you perceive yeah. of how to do something. You move, your movement to get somewhere is a lot different. You're right. If you take away a sense, it is a lot different. Yeah. So Ima- I mean, imagine if we were created without one of the senses that we just think is a part of life. God could have left one of those out. Oh, there's I mean, a, just... um, oh, I mean, most people would tell you that there's way, way, way more out there that you're not perceiving. Like, so even if even an animal that has a basic light sensory thing doesn't see the full reality of what we see as far as visual paintings, trees and uh, dodging uh, dodgeball or whatever. That, that's not part of anything so there therefore there must be a lot more out there that happens especially even possibly spiritual other dimensions other senses we just we're just not picking up on it so what we think of as reality is extremely finite little conception that we make up in our head yeah i actually saw a pizza one time that was a distance away from joey and then immediately it was in joey's stomach. <laughs> it just quantumly it was immediately in, yeah. in joey's stomach it was almost like it it was existed in both places yeah, at the same it did, time it didn't travel it, between the table and joey's stomach it, it just, just was in joey's yeah, stomach it was just, from my perception it made a quantum leap into joey's stomach yeah yeah, yeah totally. that is crazy did you know that one of the versions of x3 watch is free joey what is x3 watch well, X3 Watch is something that Toby needs uh, in order to not look at porn. Uh, it, it goes on Toby's computer. This is Toby's world. And uh, if he goes on a website that is pictures of naked women or something like that, because Toby's the one that struggles with pictures of naked women, yep. um, his uh, fictitious caricature friendships uh, get emails saying Toby was on this particular website. So Matt and I will get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the paid version, which you can get uh, at a discounted rate at x3watch.com slash badchristian, uh, it actually blocks the websites uh, to keep you from going there in the first place, and your accountability partners uh, will get a notification that you tried to go in there. So we encourage uh, you, we we all, all three of us, we agree. Well, Toby and his fictitious friends, we agree that porn is not good for you. It's not healthy. It doesn't bring life. It doesn't make your life better in the long run. It's fun, you know, while you're looking at it. I created um, your sarcasm, by the way. Right. So uh, we believe that having a tool that keeps you from looking at it is a, is a big win. Yeah, it is. So we all three use it. <laughs> and uh, Joey has a tool that keeps him from looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> X3 Watch. <laughs> Get so it. we we want to we want to thank Pastor Craig Gross for letting us be a part of something that we believe in and uh we think it's great what you're doing and we thank you for letting us uh 
advertise yep, it. So take yep. your take your internet usage seriously. Whatever it is that you decide to look at or dwell on and focus on. Uh, yeah, we think pornography is not a good one, and so take take that seriously, whether you get X3 Watch or not. But it is a good way to help you at least be aware of what it is that you consume and how, and to uh, it really does feel like there's somebody else there with you, so you're not always alone. You know that you have this. Uh, software and a connection to some other real people in the world, uh, and you're right. not just by yourself when you're yep. sitting at your computer. So, all right. So, Jars of Clay, one of the bigger bands of the late '90s, uh, happens to be comprised of some Christians. Uh, they've made the news lately, and we're going to be talking to Dan about some of his controversial comments that has just put the church in an uproar. Yeah, let's bring him on here. Y'all ready for him? Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Dan from Jars of Clay. Hey, this is Matt from The Classic Crime, here to remind you that the exclusive BC Music pre-order for our new record starts this week. You can grab the link for that on the Bad Christian Facebook page. If you missed our Kickstarter, but you still prefer your CDs signed and your T-shirts exclusive, this is the pre-order for you. Our record, What Was Done, Volume 1, comes out October 28th. Yeehaw! So, Matt, Jess and I have been kind of having a tough time with our two-year-old, Ike. Mm-hmm. He is a strong-willed kid, and so we have been taking full advantage of Audible. We actually bought a book called Setting Limits with Your Strong-Willed Child <laughs> by Robert J. McKenzie. <laughs> And uh, we're actually learning because, uh, honestly, I mean, we believe in spankings, but we he doesn't even hardly feel pain, and <laughs> we're not going to hurt our child. So uh, the spankings are supposed to we you know, it's like really light, and yep. we realize it affects him zero. And so we wanted to really question our discipline and question how we're doing things. So we actually went to Audible, um, downloaded this book, and it is so Cool. So you use an Audible yep. to get parenting books to learn how to spank your kid? No. It, 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 this teaches you how not to spank oh, your kid. Okay. <laughs> Spanking is the easy way to go. Okay. Actually being a good parent and like trying to really work with your child and respect them as a human and their mm-hmm. emotions and their all the things that they can do. And so uh, this is a really, really great book um, that Jess and I have been listening to together. So when we put the kids down, we just kind of pop this book in. Uh, and we just listen together um, and just kind of are learning about how to do things. And that's what's so cool about Audible. It's not just, oh, I have the book, I'm going to read it, and then I have to pass it off. Jess and I can listen together, and it's just really cool. i tell you what's crazy about Audible. It's, I think it's the biggest no-brainer in the world because all you got to do is go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash bcpod, and you can get – any book you want to and listen to it. It's totally free. That's yeah. a totally free trial that you can do that with. And so you can totally check it out. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download for your computer, smartphone, and MP3 player. So listen to me on that. It's really simple. It, it doesn't matter if it's Moby Dick that you never read in high school or an educational book that you're looking for or fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is. Go pick yourself out a book. It's, it's courtesy of us. We do it. We love to listen to the audio book, so you will too. So if you're our bad Christian listener, supporter, go get a book. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Pod. Do it now. And we're back, and we have Dan from Jars of Clay. We're excited to have you, Dan. Thanks for being on the show. 
Ah, uh, my privilege. I'm glad, glad to be on. And, and I want to. We always. I, I butcher names pretty badly. Um, what? How do you actually say your last name? Is it Hasselteen, Hasselton, Hasselhoff? It's, yeah, it, uh, any of the above. Um, <laughs> in junior high, it was Has No Friends and Ovaltine, <laughs> but uh, it's actually it's uh, it's Hasseltine. Hasseltine. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So you are. Uh, we were kind of talking a little bit before, but you guys are have kind of had a more relaxed. Uh, summer and now you're kind of ramping up to start touring some more but you guys uh you have teenagers in the house you're live in nashville yeah so that means how long did you were you guys married when you started the band no no we all we you know we were single in fact the first couple years that jars was out we were out doing you know two to three hundred shows a year and um just because we would you know we'd leave nashville and then go out on the road and we wouldn't come home for almost a whole year so we didn't we didn't really know that many people most of our friends had kind of what years were done were <laughs> that was probably show. i mean that's still like 95 94 95 where you know we're christian folks would come out to shows and they would just blast us and oh, they would gosh. be like i can't believe you're playing in this place <laughs> okay you know, so, so you're saying can... you would have somebody that you were playing a, a gig at a you know, in downtown Cleveland or something, and then yeah. Christians who who knew who you were from the Christian bookstore just saw that you yeah. were playing, and then they showed up, and then they found themselves in the middle of a CD bar. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so they're ticked off, and they're coming up to us, and and they're for they, making them you know, go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we had to. I mean, I I think I I enjoyed playing in the in the spaces where people came to enjoy music. Yeah. I think when whenever there was an agenda attached to the evening or someone was mm. basically saying, well, the music is simply a tool so that we can do something else. I always felt like those environments were um, just weren't conducive to a great night of music, you know, and I would walk off stage feeling like I had one of the best shows of my life. Like the performance was really great, um, but feeling like I disappointed everybody in the room because for what you because, didn't say. Yeah, and and just because everyone expects a certain thing, and I think we we started to kind of move away from playing in churches, um, really because of that. Because there was this idea that if you're on stage and you're in a church, then you're playing worship music, and we've just never been specifically that. I mean, we've we've always found that jars is more of on the prophetic side. Like we we like looking at the world and describing it. So the, obviously, what yeah. comes with when you when it comes along with that, like you said, you feel like you disappointed people, or they wanted a certain thing, or you moved more away from playing churches. You inevitably encountered people and in on online and stuff that would say that you've sold out. Yeah, told you so. See, jars they they didn't play at our church this year. See, they're not Christian as they said they yeah. were. <laughs> Did you get that yeah, too? Yeah, well, I think that's just a that's just a misunderstanding of the the environment where we're playing. I mean, because I mean, we always try to let people know like well actually you know we we can make a lot more money if we played the game in churches you exactly. know like right. if, yeah. if the church environment is is a much more lucrative place right now than going and toughing it out oh, in yeah. the clubs and the bars <laughs> um and but people i don't think they understand the economics of it so much when they present it that way and you just kind of go well it's just you know and i and i just think they're they're the worldview is is a little encumbered like they, I don't think they see the way that, you know, just being a truth teller out in different spaces um, matters. Well, my question, yeah. too, is why 
I feel like I have some kind of I, I, maybe I sh- could, can even be honest here and say anger towards Christ- the Christian culture right now, and that is wrong of me. That is sinful of me. That's messed up of me. Who is teaching these people this? This, this is what I understand. Where are they getting this from? Who, who, what church is teaching somebody to, to go to a bar to see jars of clay and totally not re- not enjoy the the actual moment of spirituality or transcendence through just the music? You know what well, I mean? Or like the, the opportunity to be well, around yeah, people. I mean, that, that, that in itself yeah. is is like the gift you've given. No, that's not enough. So so why in the world would somebody, after sitting in church year after year, going to the same room, hearing a preacher, all this stuff, think he needs to go up to Dan and say, you didn't say that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're not a Christian. That's, where, it, where, right. that's our fault. Isn't it? Aren't we teaching them that? How are they? Where are they learning it? I mean, I think there's there's – I mean, my observation is just that there is a – we've kind of decided that the Bible is for complete application. Like yeah. when we read every verse as if it's meant to be something where we have a lesson that's taught us. So therefore now what is, how do I apply that in my own life when something was actually, maybe it was just a poem or maybe it was a story or it was something, you know, not everything in the Bible is specifically meant as instruction for the application to our lives. But we take that and then we've kind of, you know, the church, I guess, is, is sort of taken that um, posture with everything, and therefore everything that a Christian does has to be applicable to somebody else. Right. And and I think that's where we kind of fall into this problem because because all of a sudden now everything you do is a teachable moment for somebody else, and if you don't teach, then you're not taking advantage of that opportunity, and you're failing the church, or you're failing. You know, really, all you're doing is failing somebody's kind of misguided perception of what they think you should be. Yeah, it's very yeah. reductionist to boil it down, to boil people down to what are they doing in this moment and how does that apply. But I think the other aspect of it is the, I think the whole system, maybe to address Toby's question a little bit, is I think what's really going on is just, it's just people are afraid. I think it's just this general yeah. thing of fear in the world. So most mm-hmm. parents, like, it's easier to teach your kids be safe, love God. Like it's easier to say, you know, so they get, they get taught by the system or the church or their parents don't go to bars because I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Yeah. But, but, but then, right. the, then they get taught that right. from the spiritual authority. And then when you hear that from authority now, as a kid, you're thinking, Oh, that's morality. That's right, right and wrong. Right. Whether I go, because that, that's the way they taught it to you for your own good but in neither case is that i mean what we really need to push into is tell people the truth but it's whatever it it is but it also is teaching just the weakest possible watered down god of all time hey if you step into a bar you are are so weak and god is so weak satan's going to sweep you away you'll you'll immediately turn gay yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh-oh. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? It's, it's absurd, and, and that leads us to our next point. In just fact, like, Toby's been like, doing some research, and we want to tell you that ever since you tweeted what you did and yeah. came out, homosexuality has gone up 50%. Yeah, church. homosexual marriage has increased. It's unbelievable, <laughs> man. Well, no, yeah, yeah, you wrote, that, we were joking about this, but yeah, a, a while ago you wrote a song called Flood, and it was a huge hit, so now you are responsible for most people going to heaven or hell. Just, I mean, so you, you kind of blew it. You should have not ever written good music because you are responsible now for all of that. But get it, talking about this. And Dan, do you mind heard, if we talk about that, about the, the no. tweet and, and that conversation no, I mean, you've been having? I guess that's pretty ongoing. Sure. How long, when, yeah. when, when is this that, that this kind of boiled over? Um, I mean, that kind of happened back in April, I guess. And that was, that was sort of kind of the beginnings of it. And um, yeah, which was really just kind of, 
obviously, I mean, everybody the the the, the conversation um, was happening, and it, it sort of the volume of the conversation was rising. And I think we all probably knew that we would be stepping into it at some point. Um, what was exactly was the tweet that you said that people found controversial, Toby? Do you have it? We have. Well, you can you can just say it if you want. What you, you, yeah. your words well, might be I'm, better. I think it depends. I mean, there's apparently like everything is controversial. So you know, to somebody. So um, that and that there was a few kind of different pieces of it that were that were somewhat controversial, and some of them were um, were simply controversial because I I kind of I, I didn't really communicate the way I wanted to. Um, but I was, you know, jet lagged on an airplane, on an international flight, which, in, you know, instruction, maybe not do that. <laughs> so, no, see, um, I, I, I when you want to tackle I, a big issue, maybe I yeah, yeah, but I don't. I, don't know I, I'm, I wish you didn't say that, Dan, because I think it's the best thing that could happen. I know this sounds crazy. I know for you, like this has been probably a shitstorm, and you guys are like, oh man, people, my words are kind of taken out of context and all that stuff, but. We're actually having a real conversation now. That's, yeah. that's, that's so awesome. So it wasn't well, a mistake, I've been, right? I've been, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've looked at it and I've gone, you know, I, um, I was somewhat irresponsible in the way that I presented it, but at the same time, I do, I, I am grateful that the conversation is happening, and if, and if it sort of has moved beyond just people yelling at each other, um, to kind of voice and opinion you know and no one's actually listening or learning then if it's actually grown into something where people are now kind of going oh well maybe we can consider something or maybe this is worth our time and energy then you know then i'm i'm happy for that yeah well people yelling at each other is really distracting if you're in a room with 50 people and 48 of them are talking well, you know, nicely, and two of them are yelling at each other. Then you know, obviously, all the noise is yeah. being made by the people yelling, and that, on the internet, that is a big problem. But yeah. uh, let's just—I just want to make sure our listeners understand uh, what exactly it is that people are upset about here. Dan, yeah. you essentially had some series of tweets that conveyed generally what message? If you had to repeat it now, well, I would say that I was asking questions as to the response of the church toward um toward gays like what do we do with people in the gay community because you know and what i what i think happened was i always feel like the conversation gets stuck in the place of it's a sin or it's not a sin it's right or it's wrong um when yes that really matters and that's an important aspect of the conversation but there is this other part which is the Yes, but or then what? Um, then how do we act? Then does that give us the right to love people, or does that give us the right to um, disassociate from somebody, or ignore them, or treat them as less than human? I mean, the questions that I had were really centered around because I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with with friends that are gay and. And I've, you know, obviously now recently had a lot of people sending in their their stories to me and telling their stories mm-hmm. of what it feels like to be a Christian and wrestling with same sex attraction or being gay or um, or just wrestling with the fact that people in church don't, you know, they don't know what to do with another person when they're different than them. And uh, you know, and I and I thought that's really unfortunate. It's really sad that the church has kind of let this sort of doctrinal sort of 
orthodoxy kind of affect the way they actually treat human beings? Because I would just say that that, that feels inconsistent with what I, I believe Jesus would want of us. Um, and, you know, and, and somebody keeps throwing scripture verses at me and saying, well, this is what the Bible says about homosexuality. And I'm like, great. I, I love that you've got all those scripture verses and it's really amazing that you're that knowledgeable in that. But let's have a conversation. Yeah, know? totally. <laughs> so, and, and the thing so, that bothers yeah. me the most, too, is that why would a, a few vocal Christians and maybe it is the minority here that just blast so hardly online about this sin when honestly, I mean, we know the, uh, a majority of men struggle with pornography, for example. And, uh, you know, I mean, how Christians right now are blasting people for saying that maybe gay marriage should be legalized and are, are watching porn and supporting sex trafficking, doing this and that. And, and it's like, it, the thing, one one of the uh, tweets you did, I thought was just it really just hits me as you said mm-hmm. because most people read and interpret scripture wrong. You were this, and this is after um, you were just talking about scripture and and what it means. And you said I don't think scripture clearly states much of anything regarding morality, and p- that scares people. Oh yeah, that's that terrifying. scares people so badly because you're saying wait no no it does tell us we're supposed to be good we're supposed to do this or this or this and then somehow now it's also getting mixed in with the American dream. But what you're saying there is so powerful because what it, it doesn't because what we're our actual morality is Jesus. Whatever Jesus says, he is our influence. He is our life. It's not a morality. It's not a code we follow and then Jesus accepts us. No, we, we follow what Jesus says and we figure that out. And that's why, like, that's what I'm saying. I, I think all the things you wrote here, honestly, are way better than I would have wrote, you know, first thing in the morning, wide awake with a cup of coffee. I mean, you might have been exhausted, but I, I just love it that you said that. And I just can't. It, I, I read some of the comments too, and then uh, the fun, one of the funniest ones is this. I guess you you saw this too, but I've run it run up against this guy before. But this Michael Brown art guy yeah. from Charisma News. This is like a total. I, I I had never heard of this website ever until we had Michael Gunger on recently, and and they yeah. broke the Michael Gunger story, which is actually from two years ago. But in, in the name right. of the the name of that article, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Shattering of Jars of Clay. And he just <laughs> yeah. basically goes on to tell you, hey, I knew, I knew they weren't, I knew they weren't Christian. I, I just knew they weren't. I'm just like, are you kidding me? The sad part was, or is, you know, that, that there was no communication with me. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm actually pretty available online, especially like in, in the Twitter sphere. Like I, because I like having the conversation with my, you know, the people that are in my circle there. And, you know, and w- so what was sad was that most of the people that have rallied into this or have been brought into this sort of controversial argument um, came at it through his article, which was an interpretation of my tweets, yeah. you know, and what my message was. So he kind of said, oh, I think this is what he means, and then put it out there as if it were fact. But there's a bunch of stuff yeah. wrapped up in that from from my point of view of just like checking into that. I'm not even checking into it, but it's my first impression of that is he does stuff like this. Like he breaks these stories right. or I would even say twist them. And, I, man, it feels like creepy to me. Like he's yeah, yeah. going to get a lot of he's hits the, if he can. He's the Jerry Springer of Christianity. Yeah. And, and he's calling out yeah. Dan for actually having a real conversation. Well, he's not creating a real conversation. He's creating hype. Yeah, yeah so but, it, and it's, but it's for his website to be large, right? Though, right? Yes. Like, isn't yes. that yes. what's is going on? Way worse. Dan, well, yeah. Dan, let me ask you this. When you hear Toby, um, and I'm not knocking Toby because I would say the same sorts of things. When you hear him um, compare homosexuality to dudes looking at porn, which feeds into human trafficking and that sort of thing, is that offensive <laughs> to you? Like, do you see homosexuality as a sin, but it's just... 
it's it's not an important conversation along those lines or are you just like no nah, i don't even see it as a sin and that's a harmful comparison um i don't know that it matters to me in the same way um that's such an irritating answer to so many people i'm sure <laughs> well, i mean it, it, and i know it but, but it's because it doesn't change how i how i relate to people you know it to call something a sin or to call it not a sin doesn't change my response to them or my call to love them well doesn't mean they're going to be my friend or not be my friend um you know and so it it doesn't really concern me especially with this issue um i mean certainly i want to i want to be in line with what god is in line with but i tend to think that ultimately at the end of the day you know jesus was constantly railing against the pharisees constantly showing them how they're, you know, that that what mattered at the end of the day was not simply the letter of the law that they kept following and made sure everybody followed. Um, it was that they treated people with kindness and and loved people well. You know, yeah. and Jesus kept kind of breaking through all of those sort of um, ideas that the Pharisees had, that it was more important to keep the law than to love somebody well. And, he, you know, that seems like every story there Jesus comes up against the Pharisee, that's what he's trying to get people to do is just to love somebody yeah. and, um, and continue to make it a human story, not, you know, not a list of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts. And so I feel like that's, that's part of the, the issue with me is I don't, I don't have to look at it that way. God has sort of freed me up to, to not have to relate to people. Well, on so you think it's reasonable to say, uh, Hey, do you think, homosexuality is a sin you think it's a reasonable christian answer to say i don't i don't know i don't really care i don't know i think so okay yeah See, I, I would that's say reasonable. for me to go back to your point joy i would the, what i'm talking about is it, why would one form of sexual sin uh supersede all others yeah why why would some why would a straight christian male be so focused on denouncing homosexuality sex but at the same time not talk about ongoing consistent pornography use or something if that's it so for me here's where i'm at i i believe but let me just say that jay jay baker would say hey that, that would the, be offensive well there's a lot of homosexuals right, that, that are in a monogamous monogamous relationship and right. they're not looking at homosexual porn and right. you're lumping so them in but i would have done the well, same first thing of all, i would not... say that uh, if we're talking of, if we're talking about a, which i do believe just from seeing statistics, and I could be wrong, and, and our listeners out there, if you want to tweet us or, or write us and let us know, I believe the my, it is a pretty small minority of uh, homosexuals that are in committed relationships, right? I, I believe the majority is usually a open relationship thing. Now, that might sound really offensive. I'm just saying, I'm just talking about stats or numbers here. Now, the next thing I would say is, if we're talking about a committed relationship, let, that, let's just talk about it. And But we have to take away this idea that this sin supersedes all. If we defeat homosexuality, Christians win. That's so stupid. And I think what Dan's saying, going back to Matt's question, is when you say you don't care, it's because you're not going to pick out one specific sin. You're saying, at least this is what I, what I would say, uh, a person, everybody's a sinner. Everybody has a bunch of stuff. So if you get rid of one, if you get rid of me being tempted to take sec a second look at a lady or to cheat the government so I get more money, then there's there's another one right in line that's going to get me. There's another one right in line that's going to get me. There's another one right in line that's going to get me. Meaning I need a savior. I need a guy that's, that can get that off of me, that can get all of them out of there because each of them are crucial. Each of them How are, about the are, idea it, about being about being right or wrong? Like what? There's definitely things that you think are a sin that maybe not 
are not, and you don't know if you got it right and wrong. And there's probably things that you think are definitely not a sin that you'll find out later. Oh yeah, that was. I mean, you're gonna. Uh, yeah. There's got. There's no way that but any individual person has all the checklist of what is a sin and not a sin. Yeah. Correct. But but let's look at this. Like let's let's look at it a different way. Let's let's look at it like, and I kind of I think I tweeted about this also, and I don't. I, it was probably lost in the 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 fray of it all. But but there's this. You know, I I read the you know the account of, of Genesis and the tree and God saying it's the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, so you eat this and all of a sudden you think you know what's right and what's wrong. Is that beneficial for us in the context of loving somebody? Um, I mean, we we are constantly drawing lines about what is right and what is wrong. But what do we do with that information? Like, what do we do with that knowledge of going, okay, yeah, so this is a sin, or no, this isn't a sin. Now what do we do? Um, because all of a sudden we feel like it, it means something different for the way you respond to somebody, but it doesn't, right? I mean, right. are we resp- are we supposed to, uh, you know, relate to people because, you know, whether or not they sin? Um, I don't think so. I feel like that's that's just it. It's our human condition. You know, and, and it comes back to me. It, it the problem is, is when you when you give somebody the tool of saying something is right or wrong, or something is sin or not sin, they um, they misuse that, and they misuse it in the way that they don't know people. You know, I've a million times people have that's an exaggeration, but uh, you know have explained to me the the scripture story about the woman at the well. And, you know, and here's Jesus at the well. And they always point to that point where he says, now go and sin no more, this adulterous woman. And I think, okay, but you're saying it as if you're as if he's wagging his finger saying you better not go sin now or else my dad is going to beat the crap out of you or something's (laughs) going to happen. Or, yeah, it's not a threat. Like when Jesus says that, Jesus knows this woman. And no, also, said, she did. She did certainly sin again, she right? Yeah. I mean, she did something yeah. simple. Like again. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that she was perfect after that. Of yeah. Course. Well, I think what you're saying is right. it's an invitation, right? Well, it's like if you spend any time with people that are in recovery, you know, guys that have, are coming out of addictions. Um, one of the things that they have you do is is get in community with people, yeah. and you have to tell someone your story, which means you have to spend time with your story. You have to kind of unpack what it is that you've been through in your life, where you've, where you've made mistakes, where you've made amends for those mistakes, where you haven't, um, all of those things. Because at the end of the day, they're trying to get you to know somebody and to be known. And the reason they do that is because most of the time we fall into addictions or things like that. You know, Aside from just our tendencies to, to do that, certain people are just prone to it, um, there is this mm-hmm. sense that we believe things about ourselves that aren't true, right? We believe that um, we need certain things. And the only people that can tell us that we don't are people that really know us. Yeah. And so, like in this situation, Jesus knows this woman. You know, he knows her soul. He knows her story. And she even says that to him. She's like, this man, and she calls it out to the people. She says, this man truly knows me. Yeah, and, which is cool. you know. Which is really cool because there's another situation uh, where the woman 
that poured all the perfume on Jesus' right. feet, and he, she was being condemned by Peter the Pharisee, and Jesus said, do you even know this woman? Like, so that's, that's an awesome right. point that you made. I like that a lot. So being known, and, and so when we're talking about this conversation about, you know, the gay community or what is right and what is wrong, what is sin and what is not, I think back to this because I go, the reason you want to be known is so that when you start believing things about yourself that aren't true, um, and you start reaching for things that you think are going to fill you up, it's the people that know you that are going to remind you of who you really are. You know, especially in the gay conversation, because people keep saying, well, you're sending people straight to hell if you don't tell them that this is a sin. And I just go, well, well, actually, in the context of a friendship, in a relationship with somebody, and you see them doing something that you feel like is destructive to them, like they're actually being destroyed by the things that they're doing, and you know them, then in conversation and in community, you can bring those things to their attention and it's a good part of community. It builds the relationship. When you don't know somebody and you make a blanket statement about something that's right or wrong, and you, uh, you know, it's just a judgment. Yeah. But yeah, you well, don't they need know to hear people. one more anonymous person. Like they've heard it before that people think yeah. that's a sin. They've heard that information before. So what do they need? Ninety-two right. more, yeah. two hundred sixty-five more people to agree. Everybody's Armenian and goes, "You have a choice to choose God or not, except for if you say something they don't like, and then you are sending them to hell. They have no choice but to go to hell." Which is then. such right. a like, short-sighted I, perspective of so the silly. gospel. I, I mean that. And you know right. what? Going back to that, that guy that Michael Brown he was talking about uh, that you use Twitter and how how that was just a, a silly thing to do put that out there and I and I thought no he's using a blog and Twitter it is a valid place to share thoughts and have that and why can't we just give people a little bit of space to think things out is it do we have to only be a mob that totally agrees the whole time I mean it's just like is it really just red states and blue states and that's it and you don't have any room to go hey you know what I'm gonna think about gay marriage for a while I, I just I don't know what I think about it, or I'd like to spend more time, or maybe actually put a face to it, or hey, I have a friend this right. gay, and they're pretty cool, and they've been with their partner for 13 years. Like we had a, we had a Brett Battle on here, and uh, him and his partner have been together for 13 years, and when you put a face to it, like you said, it's not just an issue or just some moral that somebody is attaching to a scripture or saying that this is the only way. Uh, then then you actually can think about things and share ideas and have some actual ownership of your faith rather than just right. some person telling you. Dan, like, did you have fallout from, from this? Like how did it, did it impact even your band and your business? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly we've had, I mean, yeah, cause there's, there's definitely certain organizations or certain people that, that would say, you know, well, we don't want to be connected to this. This is too big of an issue. It's going to overcloud everything we're doing. So we lost, I mean, we lost some shows that we were supposed to play in that season um you know we lost lost some cds on some shelves and stuff but but ultimately that that doesn't really bother me because because to me i feel like they're those aren't the people that that are going to be in the conversation yeah you know those are those are just people reacting and and i can't i can't worry about that too much i mean i i certainly what i don't want to happen is because i'm asking these questions that the legacy of Jars of Clay. I mean, 20 years of making music and being a part of the conversations about culture and the way that Christians navigate our world. Um, 
being involved in social justice through blood water. Like what I would hate to see happen is that when people immediately think of jars of clay, they only think of this yeah. one piece. So, so that was, you know, and that was a concern of mine uh, initially and certainly for my bandmates because they're, you know, they didn't do this. They didn't start this conversation. I just was compelled to say like, what is going on? And are we, do we have blind spots? Are we actually loving people? Right. You know, could, this look like an act of mercy versus an act of judgment like what do we do with all this stuff and and in my kind of outward musing and and questioning you know i would hate for them to be the recipients of that anger which they were you know and facebook which is sort of the bastion of of you know people who just like to write stuff and and because it's somewhat anonymous they you know everybody felt that and felt the sting of some of those words or people just saying really hateful things. And yeah, I mean, so we certainly felt that, but at the end of the day, I feel like that's a, that, that lasts for a little while, but then you find that the people that are sticking around once sort of what we call, once the crazies lose their breath, then everybody else that's there is there to actually have the conversation. For sure. Just know that like the 325th most popular podcast in Christian and gospel category, we've got your back. So that's a really big deal, man. Big deal. Thanks. Hey, um, (laughs) tell us about 20. It just came out, what, like eight days ago? Tell us about that. Yeah, 20. Um, We just, so we, we celebrating 20 years as a band, uh, Jars of Clay. And so we went and we asked our fans, we just said, Hey, we're, we're going to go back and do kind of this retrospective project where we want, we want you to pick two songs from each of our studio records and we're going to redo those and uh, we'll put a couple new songs on it. But we really wanted our fans to kind of be in charge of it. You know, we've done greatest hits projects and uh, compilations and things. And so it just seemed like, well, why don't we just let them choose the ones that they want to hear us redo? And, and so they voted and then we went and recorded Were you surprised it. at what they chose? Yeah, I was a little bit. I was, I was actually surprised. I thought that, there would be a few more of kind of the deeper album songs in the list. Cause usually our, like when we're out doing shows and our fans come up to us there, they usually are like, Oh, I wish I heard this song, which is like a song that's buried, you know, track eight on the record. It's some slow introspective piece. And, um, and so I was actually shocked that there weren't as many of those uh, that were picked. Um, but there were a few like, you know, like love song for a savior, which, I feel like we've recorded, you know, four or five different ways already. They are like, oh, we want love song. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but we just we did what they what they asked, and you know, it was a, a kind of a sobering experience though, because these people have followed us for twenty years. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I've followed anyone for twenty years, <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know that I have that kind of allegiance to a band. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they're not, and we've always, we've kind of changed calling them fans. We, we, most of the time we call them patrons because they're, they're kind of past the puffy paint, uh, on poster board kind of phase of being fans. And now they're, they're really, they're in the conversation with us. And so, so we did the record and it, it turned out really great. We worked, uh, uh, you know, everything is recorded live and then, um, live in studio and then we had our, our good friend Vance Powell um 
who mixed it. He does a lot of the Jack White stuff these days, but Vance has, has done a, quite a few records with us over the years. Um, just an amazing engineer. Um, so he mixed and, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about the project. It's, it's just, you know, it's mostly acoustic. Um, just, it was a good chance for us to, to look back on the songs. You know, most bands don't get a chance to do this sort of thing. Um, but every time you make a record and you guys will know this, um, the economy that you're paying attention to is the one about, is this going to sell records? You know, what is the impact of this project going to be financially? Are we going to make our return back or our investment is, you know, there's a lot of that that gets mucked up in the conversation of art and meaning. And, uh, and so for us, for years, we would make these records and, um, and, and songs that were inspiring at the time would get kind of forgotten because they'd be like, well, this is the single. And when you have the single song, then you focus on that and you start marketing the record around that and the messaging around that. And um, so going back to these songs, we get to remember that, that these were inspiring to us in a season and they were real songs. Yeah. When you're doing these records, your second, third, fourth, fifth record, and you write all in a short time frame sometimes, then there's songs that you that are really important to other people out there that they've lived with forever that you only worked on and worked with, you know, yeah. just for a couple of weeks, and then they, it got recorded, and then you never played it again, and it never got radio play, and so to right. so there's songs that yeah that you have that we have that I'm, I've only spent hours with total, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't play them live; they just kind of they were there, and you, you put them on a record because you enjoyed them and you thought they were important. You know, out of all the songs in the world, that was the one that made it in that spot, you know. And and so we've been able to go back now and listen to those and re-record them and, and just enjoy those those songs again. Um, and that was a good gift for us. Um, but now, you know, and so we're glad that the record's finally out and, you know, our fans get a chance to pick it up. And, um, yeah, 20 songs. So it's it's pretty exciting for us. Well, that's good. I'm I'm sorry to hear that you had some uh, even gigs and stuff and everything cancel on you because of the controversy. But it, does, it sounds like you're not too uh, put off by that, and that you still have a lot of future, and you're still going to be at Christian festivals. We're, we were at Joshua Fest and saw you there this year, and yeah. uh, so it sounds like you got a lot of stuff doing. You're gonna you're gonna be in jars of clay another ten, twenty years. Yeah, I mean, I think we will. I think we're, you know, we've always sort of called ourselves a creative partnership, which I mean, just means we'll we'll do more things together. We'll write more songs, make more music. I don't know that we'll tour the way we have in the past. I think we've, you know, we recognize that, um, you know, for the most part, rock and roll is kind of a young man's game. Um, and so I think we, we kind of want to be home and do more projects from here. And, and some of the other guys have some really cool things going on. I have a side project called the hawk in paris um that that i really love and so i'm gonna give some attention to that also so i think we'll we'll be making music but we probably won't be touring um quite as much as yeah we i mean because you we will be busy doing do, performing and officiating a lot of gay yeah, weddings yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that takes a lot of your time i know that was your main motive behind those tweets you wanted to get into officiating gay <laughs> yeah. Weddings. yeah that apparently that's where the money is so, yeah. dan thanks so much for joining us man yep cool man Okay, so thank you, Dan, for being on the show. That was Dan from Jars of Clay, everybody. Such a pleasant yes. guy. Such wow. a pleasant guy. Yeah, it kind of uh, it bothers me just the church's need for a hero outside of Jesus. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's weird yeah. because this, you know, it's to me everything about it. And we've talked about leadership and stuff before, but the thing is, it's just 
we want Dan, we want the pastors, we want the the sports people, we want them all to be heroes. And it's ex- and and then the the church and everybody defends that and says, no, we need them, we need them, we do need that, we need examples and all this stuff. But to me, it all sounds like language from the Old Testament when the Israelites wanted a king. So yeah. I mean, maybe a leader, yeah, somebody to inspire you in some ways or to accomplish tasks, yeah, that's fine. But what we all really want is a king, and so they wanted a king in the Old Testament, and God said, "No, you don't need one." They said, "Yes, we do. We want one." And He says, "Okay, but it's going to be really shitty." And then it always was. So it always will be. So yeah. I don't. I just don't. I mean, that, to me, when anybody says hero, role model, leader, and they have this extra tone in their voice, like it really is important. I think. Israelite king, Israelite king. That's the the alarm that goes off for me. I just think we all need to take a breath, too, and just give people time to talk and think and just, I mean, Dan's a really intelligent guy with some great thoughts, and he's not trying to force that on anybody. He's just talking about it. And and people just want to bash you and and immediately jump to conclusions without going, okay, let me just at least, even if I disagree, let me just at least think about what this guy's saying so we can – have a real conversation rather than just attack each yeah, other. Yeah, especially because he's such a calm, chill, I know. communicating dude. I know. It's, it's so weird to me he's out not when people. Anybody out. No, it just so weirds me out when people. I mean, especially when you read tweets because you 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 know obviously don't have the tone of voice. But if you hear Dan talk and is slow and articulate and is calm as he does, it weirds me out the way that I think and talk is so scattered and obnoxious and the way that we you know what I mean like we're yeah. not calm or nice or. Careful, or art, none, none of those things. Well, listen, I was like, oh man, maybe I should slow down and say things under control and know what I'm saying, but I never do. Think about what Christians are wanting. Christians are basically wanting other Christians not to not to be wrong about things. Yeah, we're basically saying, all right, Dan, you're a Christian, and you're not allowed to say something that we think is wrong. We're not allowing it. I mean, what's the what is the point of that? I mean. Okay, what if he is wrong? What if what if homosexuality is just a clean cut, one hundred percent sin that people are under deception of? Well, he was why also just why? talking about marriage, you know, yeah. homosexual marriage. He's, he's, yeah, but that's it, it, that's yeah that yeah that's I mean, people are just upset because they're just like, yeah, he, he can't do he can't go there, and it just blows my mind that the church is saying, yeah, you're not allowed to be wrong in public. Yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario, he's wrong, I'm wrong, something, whatever. But, I mean, I've been guilty of that, too. I've thought, well, this pastor said that or they did that. I guess that's it, but I don't know. It's just a voyeuristic society where everybody's just waiting to pounce upon whoever they can pounce upon. And it gets me down, but there's only one thing that gets me up. (laughs) What gets you up? Something that pumps me up, (laughs) something that I'm passionate about, something I'm very articulate with. Viagra? Yeah, it's our new sponsor, guys. It's a little blue pill that can change your world. <laughs> hey, as we get older... Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, <laughs> what were you going to say, Joey? I was just going to say, as we get older, our our sponsors are going to be stuff like <laughs> Viagra, a certain Depends nursing diapers. home. <laughs> um, let me take a second before we go into the thing that will get you up. And that is to say that it's been awesome that we've been able to get some real sponsors. I know you guys have noticed that, that we've had Audible, we've had Harry's Razors, um, and we have obviously X3 Watch. But the, 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 some of the new ones we get that are corporate are just so exciting because they're not based on anything other than you guys being awesome and loyal fans and having enough downloads. Yeah. And we really appreciate it when you guys do support our sponsors. That really means a lot. That is awesome. We definitely want to get more sponsors and bigger ones and better ones. No secret there. So yeah. thank you guys for so- signing up for the Audible 
podcast and visiting Harry's Razors and all the stuff that you do. And it's been especially crazy because just to let you know, we had somebody that was looking to sell ads for us and thought, oh, yeah, this will be a home run. I could sell a ton of them. And then they came back and said a lot of companies did not want to be involved with us, although our numbers are quite in the range. They are worried about the association with just Christianity in general. Yeah. And then on the other side, some of them that didn't like the way we talked that were okay with Christian stuff. Right. So we we have been having a little bit more of a challenge. It's the same thing as being in Emory. We, we're yeah. either too Christian or not Christian enough. But yeah, honestly though, our success is just just on you guys and how strong you guys support us. It's like you guys are built Ford tough. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it here. How about some news? Let's do it. How about some truth? How about something that's just going to level this world? All right. In a world where I'm sitting in a place that's not Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm just in a bedroom, just giving news. I don't think anybody's <laughs> gonna understand that because you... in a world, <laughs> in a world where it's easy to get Comcast Xfinity, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is news with to- Toby Morrell. I'm Toby Morrell. How you guys doing? You guys doing good still? Oh, Matt and Joey? yeah, man. Okay. You ready for some news? Yeah, let's do Joey, it. Joey, you ready for some news? Uh, I'm never ready yeah, for this. Yeah, he's ready. Let's do it. Never ready. <laughs> I thought this was a very... I, you, you guys might not like this first news story, but I thought this was very interesting. Uh, this comes from AP. Groundhog dropped by New York mayor dies. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, the mayor or the groundhog? The, the groundhog, not the oh. mayor. The mayor dropped the what? groundhog. Why, okay. The groundhog that escaped Mayor Bill de Blasio's grasp Good job during, this, <laughs> during, during this year's Staten Island Zoo Groundhog Day ceremony died a week after the fall. Why did he but jump? the zoo did not notify the mayor's office. Which Wait, was a week the after first the reported, fall of man? Like the fall of man a week after? No, after the, the rodent fell. Okay. Uh, the zoo didn't notify that he had died. They just didn't. I, mean, I don't know if they didn't want to hurt the mayor's feelings or whatever. But you know, it's like the Groundhog's Day. Yeah. The mayor holds up and goes six more weeks of winter. But did he or drop him on accident? It was a total accident. Yep. Uh, the the Groundhog had just predicted six more weeks of winter before tumbling several feet from the mayor's hands, and then oh. one week later died from the injuries. <laughs> the zoo didn't tell anybody, so now it's like the, everybody's joke is going gone to Twitter now, saying that it's a cover up and he should be impeached. And so uh, the actual the mayor's office has to put out an actual statement that said we were we were unaware and we're very sorry we did not know that the groundhog died and all this stuff. But That's I mean, hilarious. it's that same thing of just somebody handy. Have you ever seen that on sports? So they get yeah. the brand new. They just won the, the, the trophy. The, the and trophy they drop and it shatters or something like that. Well, the funny thing on this one is, I, I would say in in many years past, it would be a heralded thing for a New York City mayor to kill rodents. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's always been a good thing. <laughs> the now. more rodents that a New York City mayor can get rid of should be a good thing, and in this case, it's somehow bad. I feel bad for a little groundhog, though. I mean, because they they're they're not that big. How big are how big is a groundhog? You know, when I think about groundhogs, they four like pounds. A, yeah, and they just held it up pounds. and it just slipped out of his hand, and yeah. then it probably like broke his spine. And yeah. then they just carried it <laughs> off. Internal bleeding injury. It's not the first time I'm sure a mayor's been involved in a murder. Yeah, a no. cover up murder, though. I sure. guarantee you that. All right, this next story. Yeah, I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna give that a five on a scale of one to ten. Okay. FYI. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Joey. Um, this next one comes from the AP too, and this is from Warsaw, Poland. Matt, have you ever been to Warsaw, Poland? I've not. Donkeys reunited at Polish Zoo after sex scandal. <laughs> what? Yep. 
Two amorous donkeys who were separated because of an outcry over their lovemaking have been reunited at a zoo in Poland. (laughs) The couple, together for 10 years, got into trouble when mothers expressed outrage that children had to witness their mating. Local conservative official Lydia Dudziak took up their calls and persuaded the director of the zoo uh, to have the animals put in separate pens. The zoo acknowledged making a mistake Thursday and said the donkeys are again uh, in one pen after being a week apart. Okay. So, so, yeah, moms were with their kids, and they were mad that they were just straight home. Well, that gives me a really <laughs> some clarity on an issue and a really good idea. So, basically, everybody hates having the sex talk, and it's a pro- I actually think it's – I'm not joking. It's a serious problem that parents are really uncomfortable talking about sex with their kids, right? Yeah. That's a real problem because – uh, it's the one place where they probably should hear about it and know about it. And then, so sex is everything except for sex outside of me, you know, right. all that birds and the bees talk. So you usually avoid it until you explain it. But I think maybe what we should start is we should always teach just the biology of mating just through animals. So having your kids watch them do that, if you don't take the association with it to be so uh, vulgar, you just, you just explain about the donkey penis and the, the semen and the, insemination right there oh. that's a great opportunity and you oh, explain totally. to your kids yeah. all the time without having to say the man dates a girl and then they lay down right. on the bed and he puts his penis in you don't have to explain <laughs> it that way you can just start with yeah. you know simple animals or even like uh you know very very little animals or you know small things and then larger animals and larger animals and eventually the kids will ask oh do adults do this and you would just be able to say yes yeah, kind of the same what a good way into Yeah, but it. also, what if it was like you were there with your kids, and then there was this weird guy with an overcoat, and he was going, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so we yeah. need to teach sexual reproduction donkey, biologically donkey. early. Let me ride that donkey, donkey. That would be uncomfortable. But <laughs> 7,000 people signed up a, a petition to have them reunited, and it worked. It worked. They're back together just straight going at it. That's great. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. That's the first time you called it a donkey penis. That's pretty good. Well, I, I meant I should have said donkey schlong or donkey dong. In that way. Donkey dong, donkey schlong would have been. Donkey Kong, donkey dong. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to give that for sure an eight on a Wow, scale of Joey. That's well, awesome. I was just, I mean, Based I on the story or, or my reaction to it? No, definitely the story. I mean, those, <laughs> you, those asses just needed to get back together. <laughs> get your ass back in here. <laughs> oh, Lord. So uh, really, it was an ass penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. do you think we can get one of those asses on the uh, podcast as a guest? <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Joey is really good. This might be a knot for you. <laughs> Look, All right. Why, this last- do why, why do y'all leave me hanging sometimes? I, I just because we don't know I, what to do. Because I'm just gonna delete it. You're making and it won't a matter. you're making a donkey sound <laughs> and laughing at yourself. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What should I be? I sh- I, do I need to encourage that? Yeah, <laughs> man, awesome. You're going ee yeah, Pastor Joey. Yeah, so Joey. Basically, anytime there's a long silence after you say we, something on the podcast, we could bail you out, but we just don't want to encourage you. Those are lessons on what it. not to do in the future. Go ahead, Toby. <laughs> All right, this last one comes from AP as well, and it's from uh, Enfield, Connecticut. Student passes out pot-laced lollipops to classmates. Say the cops. A police chief in Connecticut says a girl handed out marijuana-laced lollipops to classmates <clears throat> at her high school, and one student was hospitalized. <laughs> 
Enfield Police Chief Carl, and I man, this name is just crazy. It's Go for it, Safarzaza. <laughs> Try it again, Safarzaza. It's S F E R R A Z Z A. How would you say that, Safarza? Safarza. I don't know. I'm not very good with it either. I'm glad I don't do Sefarza. the Safarzaza. Safarzaza. Told the Journal Enquirer that the Enfield High School student acknowledged sharing the tainted lollipops, which were laced with THC, an active ingredient in marijuana. She said she had received the candy in the mail from California. She was a six, uh, a 16-year-old girl was hospitalized overnight Monday after consuming one of the lollipops. <laughs> but he says the student who brought the tainted lollipops to the school did not giving her any and said she was faking. So I don't know if that's true, but I didn't know you can do that. Is, is THC a oil liquid or you something can, like that? It can be turned can, into an oil. And then you just, just like anything And then you just mix it with like a, a yeah. liquid candy and it hardens onto a lollipop, Yeah, you, right? they can do amazing things with it now. And, and that means that would get you do, high? That actually would get you high? Right. The, the ingredient is it's the like THC, brownie. which yeah. is just a chemical. And the easiest way to get it and concentrate it is to make, take the oil out of yeah. the thing, just like if you took uh, almonds, you get you have to you know squeeze forty five almonds to get a drop of almond oil, right? Right. So you so therefore it's the concentrated essence of the thing. So the THC okay. comes out when you process the the and the pot. THC is the thing that gets you high. THC is the psychoactive ingredient. Okay. Yeah. So once you have that boiled down and you can get it out of there's a lot of ways to do it. Like if you did it by yourself, you would make butter with it or something, but you yeah. usually taste the the marijuana yeah. flavor a lot. But now that it's legal, they're just doing such a good job of getting it. They can use factories and scientists right. and everybody to really work on it legally and stuff. So they're really getting good at it and they're able to process it. So they're making all these products now. Like they have just they have basically Red Bull drinks and coffee drinks and soda drinks. So you, I mean, it doesn't taste like pot or anything. It's just you and get you, it, you essentially just get the THC. Well, why would legal. anybody ever smoke? Then? You know, it seems like at this well, point, well, smoking well, it's, marijuana. Well, it's always been all you had to do was let the leaves dry out for a few right. days and then roll it up. So that's why it's the easiest way. But now that if you can do chemicals yeah. and big companies doing it, I mean, you could do whatever so you want. So marijuana now won't be, it'll probably be less prevalent smoking weed and it'll turn to like a well, over-the-counter pill. Smoking like, may go up too, but the, the prevalence of edibles is through the roof already. But the funny thing about edibles is they're more potent and they affect you way longer. And so they're a lot more dangerous because they can be more concentrated. And I don't say dangerous and they'll hurt you or kill you, but right. the, the, uh, you'll be tripping out for eight hours instead of an hour. So that's what they're wor worried about. And you can make it in just, yeah, lollipops, everything. So it's a weird deal. That's interesting. I guess that, I mean, at some point, all marijuana will be legalized and it'll just be everywhere, right? It, probably. It, it'll probably be like cigarettes or something sold over the counter or alcohol. You have to have yeah. a license and, a, you know, ID and a certain age and stuff, but it'll just probably, be Probably, because the revenues that they're making are just incredible. And it's, it's successful. It's like the crime yeah. rates aren't going up or anything. So it's now, been my, pretty The only question I have, I wonder if there'll be, you, you know, there's different, like, weeds you can smoke, like skunk weed or mm -hmm. Carolina red or I don't know. I'm just making it up. But uh, so will there be different amounts of THC levels to where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm a little straight. Just like you go, oh, I want strong black coffee today oh, yeah, or light like any, coffee. No, it's you know? just like any industry. It'll, They'll have yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be I'm just going to pop a I'm going to yep. eat one marijuana a THC laced lollipop and it just gets me kind of cruises sure. me into my day. That's going to be a crazy time, man, for sure. And the revenue is going to be unreal. Yeah, it is. So anyway, well, that's my news. Thank you guys for listening. Joey, I do appreciate uh, your rating. How was that last one for you? Uh, I thought the last one, it could have been. All right, been. guys. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Y'all have a good one.